Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Friends, welcome to another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. I'm Josh Norris. That's Sean Daigle. That's Ian Harditz. Gentlemen, how are we today? Doing great, Josh. How are you? We're sharing the same spotlight, Ian and I, because we're dressed similarly as well. So yes. we might as well just get it all out right now. Is this Black Monday? I, I guess so. Man, can we talk about corporations ruined Black Friday? I used to <laughs> love that. I'd wake up 3 a.m., go get myself a new laptop or something, and now hmm. all the sales start at 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving. And I'm not about they to. Do. I'm not about to ruin my best holiday of the year to go save some money. That's exactly when you eat all Wait, your meals at 6 yeah. p.m. Yeah. Are you saying it's ruined because you don't have to leave the house anymore? We can just do it online. I'm, I'm saying I miss like standing in the snow, like door, doorbuster items. That who would miss this? Like they used to be like all right, these ten. Like we have. Is it Toys R Us when you were 12? No, they did it like with laptops and TVs and stuff. Like, there's 10 only at this store. Like, whoever wants it bad enough can come here and get it. Now they're like, same deal, but you're going to have to miss the Cowboys game if you want to get it. Show off your wrestling skills, trying to wrestle away those blenders that are $20 off that you could just get online for $20 off, anyways. Uh, okay, okay. Uh-huh. You, won't, yeah. you won't hear this one from me just because I prefer just to do everything online, anyways. I don't need the. The whole video recording of people fighting over sneakers and TVs. No, it's and an awful fighting holiday. Fighting over like $150 TVs. Like it's, they're going to be, it's just fine. Don't Sorry. worry about it. It's How only rich. 175 normally. You're not saving. <laughs> How rich? Saving 5%. You're fine. Well, guys, I'm great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> How are you doing? Josh? I'm good. I'm actually really nervous. Are I'm really nervous? nervous. Today, I mean, it, this is going to post after this match already happens, but my soccer club. Oh, God. Aston Villa is in a pivotal. Beta sport. Is it playoffs? No, I, it's like half the season to go. <laughs> okay. But they are right above the relegation this is line. Football season. Is Who it? cares? So it I'm is not, football. No, no, no. Oh I, I do care. I'm not shunning it. But I, I'm I curious. Don't. Is it like the NBA regular season where it doesn't matter at all? No, because okay. the regular season is all that there is. There is no playoffs. Does that but, make sense? But if there's, if, but if they play all year, they play like 365 games. Does it matter? No, they don't play 365 games. games. They, they play, play 38 matches. Because there's only like they only play 38 matches, they but play they play for like matches. eight months. Yeah, because then there's only one match per week, basically. See, that's when I'll start watching baseball again, is when they have a 16-game season, then I'll be back into baseball. Do you like baseball more than soccer? No, I watch replays of NFL games because I care about my job and I care about the only sport that matters. <laughs> I was once that way. I, lo- I love how that's all we could do, though. The like, Premier it's League, either watch the replay League. of football and do nothing else or watch other sports. <laughs> exactly. The Premier League is the best league in all of sports right, across keep, the world. Keep telling yourself that. But anyways, big match. Hopefully they come out on top. I've got a little baby 
Jack Grealish on my chest. Mm. A little bit, but Jack Grealish. I'm rooting for you. I have, you. I have no problem. My happiness, that's what you're rooting yeah. for. Uh, okay, my friend. today is our big picture podcast, as you always know. That's how we start off the weeks. If you want to go back and listen to the wrap-ups wrap and, and recaps of every game from the weekend, go and do that. It's the previous episode. It's about an hour. It was an awful slate. We, yeah, I'm saying, we made it as exciting as possible, but boy, whenever the biggest talking point out of week 12 is Jason Garrett's coaching decisions, that's when you know it's overall a miserable week. Well, miserable. But this week we can pitch it as, hey, we watched every game so you don't have to. Don't waste your time going back and watching replays of bad football. Instead, just listen to this podcast. Exactly. But, again, we do start off with these big top-down look, I guess the best way to do it, uh, picture look at the NFL. And let's start off, I, you know, I always talk about how the NFL is like four to five week seasons, and you can kind of look at these little chunks of time. And I had some thoughts that now – looking back on previous conclusions that we had that they turned out to be false. Like ideas that we were super confident in have just unproven themselves. And if you guys have any more you want to add at the end of this, please mm-hmm. let me know. Let's start off with this first one. Drew Brees doesn't have an arm anymore. This is a idea that even going back to like 2017 and 2018, and it was proven true, right, Ian, that this New Orleans Saints team does not throw down the field, yet we saw against the Carolina Panthers that his vertical arm was a major asset and was really one of the reasons why they won that football game. Yeah, I don't know if anyone was saying he couldn't necessarily get the ball downfield, but he definitely was not doing it anywhere near as often as he did in the past. I mean, even when Teddy Bridgewater was out there and we're calling him Teddy Checkdown, you know, making fun of his next-gen charts and all this, I mean, we had to note that Breeze was also, like, he's a checkdown quarterback most of the time. But guess what? When you're Drew freaking Breeze, defenses are giving you more respect in the secondary than they are for Teddy Bridgewater. So it didn't matter. And when you have two amazing route runners like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, you can make do. But Week 12, great reminder, I think, not only for the Saints, but just for defenses around the league that, yeah, he can still get the ball downfield. I mean, Teddy Ginn could have had a deep 40-yard catch, went just off his hands. He did get a good one. Jared Cook down the seam. I mean, Weeks 1 through 11, which was about five games for Breeze, he only attempted nine passes over 20 yards downfield. He had eight alone yesterday. So I don't know if that's going to continue week in and week out, but it's a good reminder. And now we got, again, two of the more talented route runners in the league to work and hopefully more uh, spacious underneath areas. Let me ask you, because I haven't rewatched this game yet. I just saw the email this morning, and uh, I watched a few last night, but not this one. I was assigned to it. Not this one in particular, yes. So let me ask you, because I know you both have seen it so far. Uh, how did the absences of Pete, and then he lost another offensive line? Teron Armstead. Game. Yeah, so how did he look after that? Like, did it affect him that much? It did not, and I think one reason is that the Panthers' pass rush at times is just non-existent. And whereas, you know, mm-hmm. to start the season, we thought the Panthers' defense might be one of the better units across the NFL. It has completely tanked despite the personnel not shifting that much. But Teron Armstead was carted off the sideline, which is a major deal. We've seen how that offensive line can break down without him because he's one of the best left tackles in the league. Then obviously, Andrews Pete might have stepped into that tackle spot, but he was absent and is a starting guard himself. Drew Brees was just, I mean, he was surgical. He was exactly what you want at peak Drew Brees from a few years ago. And I would argue, Ian, that some people have said, and I think Pat is one of them, not throwing him under the bus, saying that Drew Brees just can't throw down the field anymore. This is an offense that truly is, though, as you mentioned, built around Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara underneath and adding Jared Cook, who's like channeling New Orleans good. Jimmy Graham right now. Good. But this team has needed like one little moment or one little spark to kind of take them over the top and be the cream of the crop of the NFC or a top two team in the NFC. 
And Drew Brees, 30 of 39, 311 yards and three touchdowns, six completions of 15 yards or more against that Carolina Panthers defense. It's one note that I think we can look back on, and if the Saints do make the Super Bowl, that could be one reason why, because I think plays can still be made in that area of the field that haven't been in previous years. Yeah, I think we saw the last few weeks, too, in this Falcons game in particular, where the Saints offense was sputtering a little bit. So having this good of a performance really is good moving forward, because, you know, Patriots, like I'm still waiting for them to kind of have that performance, where it's an mm -hmm. offense that has been elite year in, year out, not so much this year. Saints, same way to, a, I think, a lesser extent. They were still pretty good throughout the early parts of the year. But, yeah, I mean, if they can hit their stride now, look out. And really, we've only seen Drew Brees for five games this year. He basically left one in the first half because of that thumb injury. Just five games of Drew Brees is nothing. And, you know, some people are going to point to how this game was basically lost by the Panthers because of a missed 28-yard field goal plus two missed extra points by Joey Sly. But, look, even if the Panthers make that field goal towards the end of the game, you don't think with two minutes and a timeout in his pocket, Drew Brees is going to drive down the field and not just settle for a field goal and get into the end zone. Yes, he could easily have done that. Sure. He, he's that type of quarterback that can, is one of the best in the league at managing those one-minute, two-minute situations. And again, just adding this little extra that they might with this vertical passing can really benefit this team. And Marshawn Lattimore, I'm assuming DJ Moore wouldn't have been as successful if right. he was out there. So yeah. it could have been a different game altogether for Drew Brees. If we want to nitpick individual things with it, for right. sure. Yeah. yeah. Gentlemen, it's time to talk about Hawthorne. Do you know what's a difficult mountain to climb? Cologne. Cologne is a difficult... Look, Ian, if I asked you, like, how do you go about purchasing Cologne, what would you tell me? Oh, man. See? I knew I asked <laughs> the right person. Do you know what? Hawthorne makes it easy. All you hey, do, that was kind of mean. No, all you do is I use go body to... body spray, so please tell me about Hawthorne. All you do is go to their website. You take a, like, simple two-minute quiz. It's not even a quiz. It's not even a test. It's just a questionnaire. They ask you just about what smells do you like? What type of personality do you C have? Couldn't have pulled me aside during the week. You had to wait to a podcast and tell everyone <laughs> how I smell. No, Jeez, I wasn't. Man. No, I was just saying if you want to smell a little bit better, uh, okay. Hawthorne can do that. Hawthorne and then can help you. they send you one cologne that is for work and one cologne that is for play. So, you know, some of us who have those two different Jekyll and Hyde personalities get to decide which one we're in you with Hawthorne. They I haven't used any yet. They? No, I'm getting some on Wednesday. They're also sending me shampoo. That's why you didn't get it, Daigle. They're also sending oh, me a beard. deodorant. Jeez. They're also selling me all these things. You know, I think back to- Throwing under the bus in the Hawthorne. Josh is frisky <laughs> today. I appreciate Hawthorne though. And look, if you are looking for a great gift for your brother and have no idea what to get them, your cousin, these difficult people in your lives that just have everything in the world, Hawthorne is the right place to go. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and use our promo code ROTO, R-O-T-O, to get 10% off your first purchase. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co and use code ROTO, R-O-T-O, to get 10% off your purchase, Hawthorne.co. All right, the other one that I wanted to bring up, I, there was a time in this season when Aaron Jones was being compared to 2018 Todd Gurley yeah. because of his usage. There was a five-game stretch where he averaged 14 carries per game, seven targets per game. Well, guess what's happened in the last three games? It's totally tanked. 11 carries and one target um, in, in that span. Like, he's averaging, again, 11 tar carries and one target. Four total targets in those three games against the Chargers, the Carolina Panthers, 
and the San Francisco 49ers. What have you seen watching this Packers team? It is inexcusable that in the five games without Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers averaged 335 yards, and then in his last three, he's averaged 166 with Adams back. Uh, Aaron Jones' target share, as you said, he was leading the team in targets in that span as a Todd Gurley-like back. That was his role. But then his past three games, like you said, one target, a 4% target share. And I think that has somewhat tanked Aaron Rodgers as well because getting the backs involved was a, an extremely efficient way for this offense to attack. As we said in that, uh, that big Aaron Jones game on primetime, I believe it was, how he finished in next-gen stats, uh, finished with the most yards from outside as a wide receiver, as a running back ever since they've been tracking stats. It's just he's such an explosive player. So do not use him in the passing game, not even full-time. Let's, let's not even talk about for fantasy purposes. I think it just it's worse for your team, obviously, if you aren't even integrating him whatsoever now. Yeah. It's just been – it's a mix, I think, of them not doing enough to get Jones those types of touches that he can thrive with as a true receiver. And also, it's just he's a committee back, and he has been the whole year. I mean, Jamal Williams has 15 targets over the last three weeks. I think we'd all agree Jones is more dangerous as a receiver. But, you know, when Jamal Williams is healthy, Aaron Jones plays between 40 and 60% of the snaps every single week. So, you know, I would expect these to even out a little bit. But with that said, I mean, we've kind of been talking about this most season. For like, years. Yes, okay, for that. But I mean, like, this season in particular, like, I don't know that we're going to see a consistent number two pass game option emerge right. opposite Devontae Adams. He's getting fed his targets, but really nothing. I mean, none of these wide receivers. I would like it to be Jones. Jones was their leader in targets before Adams came back. I mean, we saw the offense when they were ripping off 27-plus points per game, you know, in that stretch, and it looked like they were all the way back. Everything looked great, but... I mean, as long as they keep pretending that Williams is the same kind of caliber talent as Jones, I think it's going to limit this offense. What can we attribute this to? Because is it as simple as saying when they go up against solid defenses, this offense just can't function to what we hoped it could? Because, again, we talked about it with the Chargers. The Packers were dominating that game, only scored 11 points. Aaron Rodgers on 35 attempts only got up to 161 passing yards, and then that allowed – me to think, okay, the San Francisco 49ers can do the exact same thing. He had 104 passing yards and a touchdown on 33 attempts by putting up only eight points. Whereas before that, there was, what, a four-game stretch against Dallas, Detroit, Oakland, Kansas City. Defenses were not really concerned about where they just put up monster numbers. Can it be really that simple? Because they're going to face those big-time defenses right. when they get to the playoffs. And there were moments this year where we thought the Packers and Matt LaFleur had figured it out there was an identity because they didn't have one in Tennessee with Matt LaFleur. And I'm not sure if they have one right now. Well, I thought they would have it figured out because they had 14 days to game plan and game plan with blueprints for success since the Cardinals had uh, really attacked efficiently the Niners' defense in that span, but didn't. Like we saw the Packers' offense, it completely stalled out despite having that extra time. So we may not find out over the next couple weeks the Giants and Washington are up next for the Packers, but uh, yeah, I, I would say that now we need to see them truly in a, an above-average matchup because right now we don't have faith that they can succeed in those matchups. Yeah, it's tough to remove the ball against good defenses. I don't think too crazy to say that, but I don't know. I mean, to see Aaron Rodgers like we were talking about, I mean, 161 yards, 233 yards, 104 yards passing. With everyone it's not good back enough. at full health, it's crazy. I don't care if you're playing the Patriots every week. Like, those numbers yeah. are unacceptable. So, And let's remember how we feel right now because the next two games are against the Giants and the Redskins, teams they should whoop <laughs> up on. And so let's not forget these questions we have about this team. All right, yeah. one more from my end of a statement we thought we had figured out. 
we thought for many years, Carson Wentz is a top quarterback in this league. He basically won the MVP a couple of years ago before his injuries. And have the injuries played a significant part in who he is as a quarterback now? Because his numbers these past few weeks and the Eagles offense overall have not been great. Yet this Eagles offense is talented. The roster is talented. Now, they certainly have lacked explosive weapons that we talk about, it seems like, every single podcast. But even in the structure of a play where Carson Wentz is given good blocking, when he's given an open receiver, I'll be able to check down that might be five yards on the field. He's sailing passes right now. Do we, mm-hmm. Is there an answer here of what has happened to Carson Wentz? Yeah, there were some bad ones to Miles Sanders yesterday. It was like, come on, bro, just put it on him. But, look, he is literally the worst quarterback this season in percentage of on-target throws per pro football reference. The only guys, I mean, here's the guys he's grouped with. Mason Rudolph, Jameis Winston, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Fitzpatrick, Baker. Not good. Only 62% on target. Very bad. And the two things that I kind of think are attributing to that are three things. One, yes, Wentz has not played well enough. He deserves some of the blame. Two, the injuries to those explosive players. I mean, for him yesterday, no, Ag- no Aguilar, no Jeffrey, no DJX, no Goddard earlier in the season. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has been nothing like we were hoping for as a rookie. Mac Hollins took three steps back from what he was as a rookie, getting no help other than his tight ends. And I think part of that is like – Every throw is hard. You don't see anything easy in this Eagles offense, and that's reflected in, I think, their yards after the catch per reception. I mean, he's with Trubisky, Matt Ryan, Fitzpatrick, only guys averaging fewer than 4.5 yards after the catch per completion. You're never seeing receivers kind of getting the ball in space with room ahead to run. It's all kind of tight window throws he's having to make to Goddard and Ertz, which, hey, he can do it sometimes, but it's not an easy offense. He doesn't have the weapons, and he's also not playing much. It's a bad combination right now. I think uh, the loss of Frank Reich hurts a lot as well. I think yeah. um, the most impactful injuries are the offensive line pieces that Lane Johnson, Jason Peters, in and out all year. Then Brandon lost, Brooks exited. They lost Brandon Brooks, yeah. who may have been more important than those two, actually. So it's just all its all a combination. But, yeah, like Ian said, he hasn't done himself any favors. Um, yesterday, like all of Philly media blaming the weather, and then you see Russell Wilson toss throws downfield. With <laughs> like Russell Wilson rattled off like three plays of 30-plus yards um, and made those underneath throws in the flats. So it's just wins hasn't looked good, the offense hasn't looked good, and overall that we did. I am confident like their backups, even though Andre Dillard was benched. Um, I still he think was? He was? Yeah, yeah, yesterday he was benched mid-game. Oh, no. Um, I thought that their backups were at least um, somewhat repl- like replacement level, right? Mm. But how can you even tell when you're supposed to be grabbing 10 backups and putting them in? Because then you're just starting backups now. You don't even have your starting lineup. Mm. It's just he's trying to make a lot happen, so I don't want to attribute all to him. But like I said, he certainly hasn't done himself any favors. We don't talk enough about injury luck with good teams across the league that yeah. are consistent because it's such a major factor. The other factor is Doug Peterson, possibly, you know, and I I feel like Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright say this often, but they said we knew exactly what this team was going to run. We were calling out plays before the snap happened. And then this is like a small little detail, but if there were concerns about Carson Wentz coming out of North Dakota State, it was this, you know, tendency to really get grounded in the pocket. Like you see him and have this wide stance, and I believe it was Steven Ruiz on Twitter tweeted that, he had like cement in his shoes. And it's something where we thought on a bad team with a bad offensive line, getting that locked into the pocket and not being able to move around and short choppy feet, whatever you want to quarterback mechanics Twitter. um, It has come now into the point where it's become a detriment 
to his mobility, his big play, his accuracy, all of it. Mm -hmm. And so this little technical issue, and I'm no you know, quarterback coach, but this little technical issue that you don't see anyone else across the league do successfully has now compounded itself into a negative result. And it's not like he's been playing this bad all season. I remember even when they lost to the Vikings, he still had three or four plays that game where he, you know, Houdini, like how the, yeah. how the heck did he get away from that pressure, very accurate downfield throw, but especially recently, and I mean, particularly on Sunday, it's just hard to say many good things about the guy at the moment. And obviously the Eagles have a plan coming into every season, and this was just not the plan offensively. It was not. No, no. So that's it for me, Daigle. Did you have any others you want to add? Yeah, to I had a couple more. Uh, just that I've noticed the past two weeks, one in particular is the, and they've done this against very poor matchups, which was a concern heading into the second, or was a benefit heading into the second half of the season, but then they got a few chances against the Dolphins, didn't look good, but Sam Darnold in the Jets offense yeah. as a whole has looked better. And like I said, it's because they're playing teams that don't pressure the quarterback, so it certainly helps. But what they've done to Adam Gase's credit, and he's deserved little credit this year, so we need to give it to him where it's due, and that he shortened the passing game as a whole, getting Ryan Griffin involved underneath. Jameson Crowder still leading this team in target share. Uh, Demarius Thomas has become like a wide receiver four or five in fantasy because he's been dependable up until yesterday. And then um, that, of course, finally lent itself to open up Robbie Anderson slightly deeper. It still wasn't what we expected from Robbie Anderson, but now we can at least maybe go back to Robbie Anderson over these next five games in fantasy and in the fantasy playoffs because we have become a little more confident in that offense as a whole. Yeah, Josh, I was talking to you on the um, pod we did on Sunday night about the that Jets game, and yeah, Gase schemed up three to five plays that were like, hey, man, great job, got your receiver open and all that. And look, yeah, it has been against the Giants, the Redskins, the Raiders, but guess what? He's got the Bengals in week 13, the Dolphins in week 14, so we don't really need to worry about what he looks like against the great offense moving forward. But I think they've done a good job finding a happy marriage with Darnold where he's, you know, He's getting his one-two progression if the guy's there, he's hitting him. And if not, he can go off script and do great Sam Darnold things. The guy's awesome when he's playing backyard football outside the pocket for small stretches. We see him yeah. make these boneheaded mistakes once or twice a game still. But, you know, that is still when he's at his most dangerous sometimes. We see Anderson get loose downfield. So, I think it's just finding that happy marriage between that, which, hey, this is only his, what, like eighth start with Adam Gase. I mean, we shouldn't have necessarily expected them to just click from day one. So, yeah, it's been good to see progress. He's always reminded me of Tony Romo. You know, and Romo kind of had those similar criticisms at times where oh, if you eliminate those one or two mistakes in every game, mm -hmm. then he can be really successful. Um, and I would say aesthetically Sam Darnold is the most pleasing quarterback when before the ball is thrown. But once the ball is thrown, especially from clean pockets, like I, I went back and watched that Redskins game last weekend. Mm -hmm. And he was like had four dart throws on touchdowns, and they were all from clean pockets. I'm assuming the same thing was against the Raiders. And I would say that the Jets' offensive line, even when healthy, is probably among the worst in the NFL. Oh, it's, it's miserable, yeah. And they've dealt with injuries as well. So that should be a number one thing that that team and Joe Douglas should add on to as the offseason goes along. But this whole thing about, and I don't even know if it was a talking point, but questioning if Sam Darnold was the answer. He's 21 years old, right? Yeah. Or 22 years old. And already what he's showing is enough to hang your hat on as we move forward. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think, yes, they got Kill Harry involved just a little bit yesterday. But I think the Patriots offense is much worse than what we expected heading into the year. Um, I don't know if I attribute it so much to, you know, we've talked about it being protection. Yeah. And I don't want to put all of like Tom Brady's woes on 
Isaiah Wynn's shoulders because it yeah. seems like even getting that one player back, he should still be performing at a higher level. And it may be recency bias because they haven't played a clean weather game in eight full quarters now. So maybe <laughs> we don't know anything. But it's the fact that the Patriots offense still has struggled. And they added Sanu, yes, and he may miss another week. But with the backup pieces even, um, you know, it's just not what we expected coming into the year. Well, I believe, Ian, this kind of goes into a topic that you want to talk about. Yeah. about who playing quarterback with the Patriots and even if it's Matt. Like, again, I, I don't want to put in my bias here, uh-huh. and I'll let you ask the question, but I feel like you're totally off base already. Yeah, so, I mean, I was, I was watching the Sunday night game last night, and I was just mm-hmm. thinking, you know, like Jimmy Garoppolo, is he playing any worse than Tom Brady has this year? I just sent out a poll on Twitter. Like, how many wins would the Patriots have if Jimmy Garoppolo was their QB? 48% said 10 or more, which is how many they have now, and it got me thinking, all right, well, how much worse could we go? So, Patriots are 10 and 1. Is there any quarterback that has started a game this season that we think the Patriots would not be at least six and five with? Now I've I've gone through the guys that like the worst of the worst. And you know, so we're we're thinking someone like Josh Rosen, Luke Falk, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Finley, Dwayne Haskins. Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. This is an absolutely ludicrous opinion. One of these guys starts all all eleven games for the Patriots. Do you think they finish at five hundred or they would, above? they would be five hundred with Brian Hoyer? You guys are ludicrous. What? I mean, Tom Brady's not playing, like, that bad. No, he's not playing that bad. I he's agree. Not. Their offense has been a bottom 10 offense. I, I would not attribute that to Tom Brady. No. The, and, in fact, among their list of concerns as we head into January and February, Tom Brady is not even close to the top three. He's not exactly elevating him out of the dumpster, though. That's what I'm saying. There is a major difference, though, in having a quarterback who is rarely, rarely, rarely making a mistake versus bringing in someone like a Mason Rudolph, bringing in someone like a Jameis Winston, who is going to tank your team with turnovers. There, there is right. such a difference between maybe not you know, executing big plays over and over and over again, but not making mistakes and still allowing your offense to score enough points versus basically giving the opposing team points, which is what a lot of quarterbacks who have started a game this year would do. Well, all right, let's talk about making sure you get enough points because the Patriots have only allowed more than 14 points in one game this season. So Brady, they're averaging 27 points per game. When That's they, a Ravens game, right? Yes. Okay. When they went from Brady to Castle in 07-08, they lost 10 points per game on that. So let's, let's say Brady's playing still just best of his career. Even if we take away 10 points from this Patriots team, they're averaging 17 per game. They're still, you know, should be beating these opponents. And I think if we just look back at their schedule, not so much recently. They played Dak, Wentz, uh, Lamar, and Baker last four games. But in that first stretch of the season, they got an injured big man, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Luke Falk, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Colt McCoy, Daniel Jones. I mean, it's no wonder their defense teed off like this because of how yeah, soft guys, their opening season I mean, schedule is. This is so wild. You don't think they can go 6-5 and five No, with Brian this Hoyer. is so wild because you're talking about giving up points. Do you know what also gives up points? Turnovers inside your own 30-yard line. That's giving up points. And when Daniel Jones is out there fumbling 11 times in right. four games, when you're seeing Jameis Winston throw pick sixes, yes, like Matt Schaub starting a football game this year, there is a major difference once again in just protecting the football, not making mistakes, making the right read. Maybe there aren't any open wide receivers, but again, just allowing your defense not to be in a disadvantageous position. And Tom Brady has done that wonderfully this year. I think it's an interesting question because we always talk about, I don't think any of us disagree, but quarterback is by far the most position in sports, in any sport probably. Mm-hmm. But we have a team with the by far greatest coach, with one of the best defenses we have ever seen that consistently you know, puts their players in a position to succeed. Now, if we handcuff them with the worst quarterback in the league, what would happen? 
I think they still get above 500. I don't think they go 10 and 1. No. But 6 and 5, I think the Vegas over under should be comfortably at five and a half to six and a half. And I think if you think it should be that much lower, like what, with, with Brian Hoyer, do you think Belichick just goes three and eight? Is that what you're saying? I don't, I don't know. I just don't <laughs> want a quarterback who turns the football over and loses to the Miami Dolphins. Well, you're strapped with one right now, so how many games do you think they win? I don't know. I really don't. All that I'm telling you is this, and I, let me repeat it. Tom Brady is the least of my worries on this Patriots team right I'm now. I'm not debating that. I'm debating if you You are because you're basically saying that Tom Brady is not irrelevant, but is only adding four wins to this football team. Yeah, that's a lot. Sure. I would say it's he's average he's adding like seven or eight wins to this football team. That's where we disagree. They drop off from Tom Brady to Brian Horry. I'm not talking statistically passing yards, touchdowns, whatever. Right, right. Turnovers. Turnovers are a difference, right? And Tom Brady doesn't turn the football over. Tom Brady made an incredible play on third and twenty, actually got away from some pressure and hit Edelman. But let's not pretend like he's just constantly going off script and putting this offense on his back. I know, no turnovers. I heard you the first five times. Does Brian, but. I don't know why Brian Hoyer has now suddenly become yeah, he's the guy he's going with. Does Brian Hoyer really turn the ball over like that much I mean, more in this, in this script? Yeah, but that was Colts scheme. Like in this scheme and with practice under Y'all Bill Belichick. Y'all are wild. I cannot believe does this. Does he really turn the ball over that much? If it's like... As someone who had to watch Dwight Haskins yesterday. So, is, is Brian Hoyer the one you're going with? Because you said basically any quarterback that's starting. That's yeah, the we, point I'm making because Ryan Finley's up there. Yeah, no. I, okay, I, Ryan I, Finley would turn the ball over more. I know for a fact. Mason Rudolph would 100% turn the ball over more. But I think we're also saying, like, we're not just taking this quarterback out of – we're not taking Ryan Finley out of Cincinnati and saying, hey, like, you're starting now. He's, Dude, the player is the player. Been, yeah, but he gets the coaching in the scheme. No, the player is when, the player. Do you remember Finley when the Patriots – Do you remember when Brady was out and they had the – Garoppolo got hurt and Brissett started a game and he threw like three passes. But Jacoby Brissett is different than Tom Brady. Like, he's different than Ryan Finley, too. I was yes. saying, you're, yeah, we're saying that Jacoby Brissett is different than Ryan Finley. I'm saying yes. that Belichick, more than any other coach in the league, treats every single game like its own season. He changes his scheme on this both sides of the ball said, to fit that. This is why I said Brian Hoyer, because if we're talking player for player, like, the Brian Hoyer is a player. I feel like you can stick back there with Belichick, and we've seen it, and it'll be fine. Whereas you cannot stick Ryan Finley underneath Bill Belichick. Same, question, be but, same question about the 49ers. How do you feel? Of what? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo to someone else? In yes. Kyle Shanahan's scheme? Yes. Mm. Um, same I, question. You know what? I've been critical of Jimmy Garoppolo this year. And I think some of it's warranted. Sure. Two red zone interceptions in other, other games. But I think right now he's hitting his stride with that team. I think yes. he's playing quite well. But I don't know, man. I also, think, <laughs> I also think the offensive scheme for Kyle Shanahan, and right now Kyle Shanahan is a better um, creative play caller than Josh McDaniels is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're both really up there. I just can't believe we spent five minutes on this question. It's not more than that. <laughs> Yo, I mean, I feel like you just wanted to have an opportunity to take a shot at Tom. I, look, Tom is – he averaged 5.1 yards per attempt yesterday. And he's got more success than any other quarterback that's ever going to play the game in all likelihood. But I'm just saying, like, he's not – he said it himself. The defense and special teams are the strength of Patriots. I'm taking Tom's own statement and saying how is- much of their success – is due to those two. It's pretty admirable to say that. Okay. Let's just move on. Daigle, let's hit on your waivers. Um, Let's hit on waivers. Because the waiver period right now is important as we're hitting the playoff stretch of fans. Some people may even be in it already. Yep. And for many people, for most, it's just one week left in the season. Let's start off with Rashad Penny. 14 carries, 129 yards, and a touchdown against the Philadelphia Eagles. 
This is an interesting one, right, Daigle? Because Chris Carson has been dominating the backfield. Chris Carson also has seven or eight fumbles on the season. I believe that's the most since Adrian Peterson since like 10 years ago. <laughs> um, and then Rashad Penny, when Chris Carson fumbled, I believe basically twice in a row, saw the yep. most volume and was explosive in his opportunities. I believe it's seven fumbles, and we've already gone back to Carson after fumbles once this year. Pete Carroll did, and they rode him hard. But there's so he has his leash can only be so long. And now to do that again yesterday, and whether that fumble was his fault or not, maybe it was the handoff, whatever the case, the fact is he couldn't afford another mistake. First one was definitely his fault. Yeah, and he couldn't afford another mistake, and he made two more mistakes. So I would imagine that it is the Rashad Penny show, at least in the timeshare the rest of the season, which not only kills Chris Carson's value because he's much less explosive than Penny, but Penny played a season high, 49% of their snaps yesterday. So even in a timeshare, we've seen what Penny can do in limited fashion like he did last season. Um, so he now suddenly becomes a flex option for the rest of the year, I would imagine. Yeah, I think Penny's gotten this reputation of like he's not – been good, but it's just more Carson's been so much better that they haven't taken Carson off the field. I mean, even as a rookie, Penny was averaging 4.9 yards per carry. I know he's not the same success rate type guy like Carson where he's consistently getting the, tr the good gains, but he's explosive. We saw that yesterday, and I'm, I mean, you know, he said the trick to his success has been uh, stopping eating McDonald's, which uh, was same. kind of funny. But hey, Let's, <laughs> see, it's funny how that works out. He, he looks explosive, and yeah, at the Take very least, I think it's going to be a time he I remember he trained with, uh, <laughs> I believe he went and trained with LaDainian Thomas in this offseason as well. Love it. Whatever that means for fantasy, I have no idea. This is vital, though, right? Because so many people that are going to make the fantasy playoffs have Chris Carson in their lineups. Yeah. Right now we're recording on Monday morning, and we're not exactly sure how this backfield is going to you know, fall out from here. But if Chris Carson goes from, I'm just guessing here, like 80% of the workload down to 60% of the workload, that could be a massive difference for these people in their lineups. Since we spent 10 minutes already arguing about replacement players, like if Carson was with the Patriots, he'd be healthy scratched every Sunday. Like he's aver he's averaging three and a half yards Bad per carry. Y'all are wild today. Of course what is, is going on? He's like one of the least inefficient backs. Like of course he's he one would of the be biggest freak scratch. athletes in the league. You should be playing linebacker. He he is better in reality because he can bowl people dreamy? over. But no, he be he be healthy scratch for the Patriots because I mean he's a much There's better no player than Sony Michelle. There have been better players who have been healthy scratch All for right. the Patriots. Let's keep it going. One last thing, real quick: Panthers in Week 15, Cardinals in Week 16 for the Seahawks backfield. So. Please, Chris Carson, get 80% for my fantasy teams. I uh, appreciate you. Please, Rashad Penny, get so Josh's with the locket teams and Russell Wilson stacks. Uh, okay, so let's go to another one. Josh. A healthy scratch. Healthy no. scratch for the Patriots. You're, he absolutely would be. I'm glad you guys are sitting on that side. I'm going to move further. Address the same as well. Side. I don't know if you heard. My question was rational. I don't know what this is. Uh, Benny Snell is another name. I talk about replaceable players. 21 <laughs> carries. For 98 yards against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Jalen Samuels with James Conner out. In many cases, we expected Jalen Samuels to get a workhorse role because we've seen that in the past. Mm -hmm. It did not happen. Daigle, are we really going to walk down this path again with another replaceable talent like we did in this very podcast with names like Ty Johnson, J.D. McKissick, Brian Hill, maybe even a Patrick Laird? Are we going to throw Benny Snell's name in there as I well? I feel like you're blaming the 2019 waiver season on me. It's been the worst season like ever for waivers, and it's been my first year to write the column. So imagine now my thought process trying to figure this out every week. It's driven me insane as I'm yelling right now on the podcast. So, yes, we're going to do this again because that's all it's been all year. Why? It's been the worst waiver season ever, and it's been my responsibility to sort it all out. And I would think, I, it sounds like James Conner may miss another week, and if that's the case, 
I need to dive into further reports. I have heard that Jalen Samuels, for whatever reason, was in the doghouse, in Tomlin's doghouse. What does that even mean? What did he do? I don't know. But there's a reason why one of their most explosive players only got five or six touches yesterday and wasn't used efficiently in the passing game as he has been as the team starter. Benny Snell, as we know, uh, college box score at Kentucky, amazing. College athletic profile, awful. Like, one of the least athletic running backs in the entire league. That's why I don't even care for his performance as a pro player. Yeah. However, when you get 22 touches in the 2019 no. season, you pop up. We're not doing this again. You but pop look, up. It was 21, 22 touches against the league's probably single worst rush defense. And, and he didn't eclipse 100 yards, yes. We're, like, we're probably not going to see his Steelers working from, head like, uh, working from a head like that many more times. And they were behind a lot in that game. Right. Like, even staying in games, I guess, yeah, is yeah, a better yeah. way to say it. But my biggest takeaway from the Steelers' backfield this season is that, for once, we don't know what's happening. It used to be, if Le'Veon was suspended or out, we knew whoever the backup was, whether it was Ridley, Williams, or Connor, they were getting this full-time role. And yeah. that's just not the case anymore, whether it's been Samuels, Trey Edmonds, Benny Snell. Kareth White was involved Kareth yesterday. White was involved yes. yesterday. Explosive. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, this week it works Snell, but am I confident Snell's going to get another 15 touches next week? Not really. The only... I'm not either. I'll explain in the waiver wire column as well. But I would say what gives me a little more confidence that James Conner's out is that uh, Devlin Hodges gives them hope. Like, actually gives their offense. It, it makes them slightly more encouraging, whereas Mason Rudolph was that bad that I had to talk about Hodges. Ducks fly together. Once again, I will stand with the stance. That is... Well, then I'm sure you're going to love the next one, Josh, so let's get to it. Do not pick up below average football players on bad football teams. And Benny Snell fits that. And maybe... Unless it's the 2019 season. Russell Gage fits that. Another name you want to talk about. Ten targets yesterday, eight catches, 76 yards against the Tampa Bay Bucks secondary. A secondary that is among the worst in the NFL. Right. Um, this passing attack for the Falcons has been good all season long, despite them being a bad football team. Mm -hmm. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, I believe Julio missed some time yesterday, and, and Russell Gage was the beneficiary because of it. Yes, Russell Gage plays 64 snaps, 10 targets, and the fact is now they have a short turnaround on Thanksgiving against the Saints defense, who also have a short turnaround to get Marshawn Lattimore healthy. So if both of those injuries play out for fantasy purposes positively, then you're basically starting Russell Gage as a wide receiver three as soon as this week. Oh, my god! What's gosh. wrong with that? If Julio Jones is out for whatever reason. I don't know if I can do it. I can't yeah, say can. anything nice about Russell Gage, so I'm just not going to say anything at all. He's all right. Career Read more in the column if He's you want He's a career positivity. special teamer. Uh, let's end this one with Darrell Williams, the running back for the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs. We know the Chiefs are on a bye this week, I believe. Um, no, they were on a bye last week. They were on a bye last week. Bye weeks That's what over. I meant. They were, they were coming oh, okay. off a bye, Sorry. Yeah. and then they're going bye forward no over. longer on a bye. Time to but, work harder than ever. So there's not any new information here, but we've seen that Damian Williams has missed time this year. LaShawn McCoy has missed time this year. But what, when Darrell Williams goes in the ball game, this offense can still function with him in there. And I guess it's the time of the calendar where we should have more exposure to the Chiefs offense. Damian Williams exited with a rib injury yeah, or knee injury. Rib. Yeah, ribs before the bye week. LaShawn McCoy exited with a concussion before the bye week. And we don't have any updates. We didn't get any updates while they were gone. But I just wanted to bring this up as a reminder to everyone that in week three, Darrell Williams finished his RB14. Week four, Daryl Williams finished his RB12. Like He has two top 15 performances, and as we sit here weekly on Mondays arguing about which bad running backs to pick up in bad offenses, <laughs> Daryl Williams is kind of a sneaky good running back playing with Patrick Mahomes. It makes it much easier if the other two injuries shake out. And if even only one of them are out between Williams and McCoy, Damian and McCoy, uh, Daryl Williams can still fill in like 
confidently as a flex option. I agree. Yeah, I think also keep an eye on Tyreek Hill and that hammy because we yep. did see some of Daryl's bigger receiving performances come early in the year without Tyreek. I'm with you. I mean, yeah, give me 10 to 12 touches in the Chiefs offense over Benny Snow. And we've been seeing him get red zone usage, goal line usage yeah. as well at times. It's Always in on the two-minute drill. Yeah, I would much rather attach myself to a decent football player on a good football team. I don't know who wrote the blurb out of our Roto World team, but someone said, like, Daryl Williams is the most complete back on the Chiefs, even if he's not, like, the most explosive with the ball in his hands. And I think that's right. He can, that's do, ev- a pretty good one. He can do everything, but, you know, he may- he's not as good as Damian or Shady, but who cares? He's on the Chiefs' offense. It's a good thing I don't write the waiver column, Daigle, because it would just be, hey, this guy's on a good football team, this guy's on a bad football team, and rank it in that order. Well, you act like there's so many just good running backs that Daigle's ignoring that are on good teams. There's... I'm sure there's a replacement for the waiver wire column somewhere out there. We're never never going to find out. I was just saying I would not be as good at it as you. That was a compliment. I'm Tom Brady. I'm taking us to the Super Bowl. I'm I'm trying to end this controversial podcast by giving you, you know, some love. You know what you should do? You should tell them about our schedule this upcoming week because we have a crazy Thanksgiving schedule. Well, for us, it's... It's oh, yeah, crazy, I got, it'll sound them, normal for them. It's like not. us, it's all just compacted into two days. Yeah, so Wednesday morning, 48 hours we're going to go have, crazy. Wednesday morning, we're going to have a three preview podcast of the Thanksgiving Day slate. Be sure to look for that on your feeds. Us and three. Then Thursday, it'll just be me and Daigle breaking down six games audio from only. Sunday, audio only. Sorry about that. Now you want to see Daigle's lovely dome. <laughs> um, and that's it. Like. That's it. That's what the show is going to be this week. We thank you so much for listening. Thank you for hitting that subscribe button, rating, and reviewing. Hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. So for Ian, for John, I'm Josh. Talk to you all soon. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.